this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Just say, just because your partner is not healthy doesn't mean the other person can't do stuff, you know? Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season five, episode 18 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, To Live and Let Diorama. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Intervention. We're getting to the end of season five. I can't believe it. It's gone so fast. It feels like we just started season five, but at the same time, Dracula feels like forever ago. Yeah, I agree. It does feel like we just started season five, but Dracula does feel like forever ago. I just repeated you. That wasn't even worth Keep cut that line. No. I agree. No. <laughs> Any other things you'd like to add? <laughs> I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should address the elephant in your throat. Yeah. I'm blowing a Republican right now. and Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what did you mean? Oh, yeah, because I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I have a, I've got bronchitis right now, so uh, I sound and feel gross. Yeah, you've been sick like all week. This is like day seven, and you, you think you're a little better now? Yeah, I am a little better, but apparently bronchitis can last like a couple weeks, so I'm not excited about this, and I hope it goes away soon. Yeah, so that's why he sounds this way. Yeah, I've, I feel like Will from Stranger Things every time I go to the bathroom and I cough out like part of the Upside Down. Spoilers. Spoilers for season one of Stranger Things, guys. Uh, we're having pizza rolls because that's your sickness craving lately. Yeah. The nice thing about being sick is that if I just like whisper something to my girlfriend, she'll get it for me. Yeah. Pizza rolls. And then pizza rolls show up. So maybe being sick for a couple weeks ain't that bad. Except for the painful hacking. Um, in other news, my show is still coming up. It's called How to Restaurant. It's a sketch show all about restaurant stuff. I'm in it. Some of my very funny friends are in it. And it's on Monday, August 1st at 9.30 in New York City at the Asylum Theater. There's a link to the tickets in the episode description. I'd love to see you there if you're able to come. Yeah, if you're in the city, please come. I'm going to be there. It'll be fun. We'll have a great time. Very excited about it. Uh, In other news, the yard man just came outside as soon as we started recording this. Today, he's working on his bartender juggling activity. Which you might hear, because he drops it all the time. He's got, like, a martini shaker and, like, an empty wine bottle that he, like, tosses around like he's making fake drinks for everybody in the yard. I think we'd all appreciate if he was making real drinks for us. Oh, sorry. Now he's playing a flute. He was just juggling a second ago. It's it's wild how fast he changes activities. This guy's got ADHD, and he's, like, prepared for it. But also he's, like, very zen. Like, he's he switches between some crazy activity and meditation, like, at the drop of a hat, at the drop of a martini shaker. <laughs> Please don't make me laugh. It's uncomfortable and it hurts. Well, get ready, baby. It's going to oh, be a rough no. 90 oh, minutes. No. We do have one five-star review. Cool. Thank you so much to Mikey DeMay from Great Britain. Cheers. I think that's an appropriate way to use cheers, right? I never know. Yeah, I think you can use it however you want, but I do feel like people from Great Britain say cheers more than we do. Yeah, but I think they say it like thank you sometimes. Yeah, that feels right. I think. So cheers. Unless that was wildly inappropriate, then I'm sorry. Yeah, what if we have no idea? Like that was an insult to my family name. I, why does, I, I can hear the fucking flu right now. I hope you can't. I don't think you'll be able to. 
He lives out there. And that you just follow us on Instagram. We've posted some stuff about him. Yeah, by the time this comes out, it'll have been a couple weeks since I started doing this, but I have filmed him a few times. I put it on our Instagram. If it's not currently happening, there is a story highlight called Yard Man, if you want to check out some of the videos. Also, it's somebody's birthday week. Who? You. Well, it's not yet, but this comes out. Yeah, when this comes out, it'll be <laughs> three days before my birthday. My birthday's Friday, guys, if you want to drop by. Just come to my show. That'll be enough present. You don't yeah, have to send me anything birthday. else. Yeah. I'm going to get you pizza rolls. You have to come to my show, give me pizza rolls, and buy me something else. No, okay. All right, Brian. Um, so last week, Stacey told me that <laughs> she could hear me eating cheeses. <laughs> I was able to cut out when you were just like loudly opening the bag of Cheez-Its, but yeah. there's several times where you could like hear you just smacking on something as you're talking about Rory or whatever. Right, right. Well- I'm going to try to not do that this time. <laughs> I'm just going to slam these pizza rolls, and then we're good to go. We used to be so professional. My apologies, everybody. So this week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, once you're done with your pizza rolls, everybody will wait. Why don't you tell us about... Wait, okay, here we go. What is that? <laughs> that was my lungs. Um... A cowbell? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about To Live and Let Diorama? Is that how you say it, or do you say diorama? I say rama. I don't know which is right. Diorama probably is the one that's right. I think I say rama. So this episode is about Luke helping Taylor Dosey, like, make a crazy temporary museum. And also about Rory dealing with some relationship issues. Well, really about a lot of the cast dealing with some relationship issues. Mm-hmm. But kind of mostly about Luke and that museum. Yeah. So this episode opens with like a kind of bizarre opener. Lorelai and Suki are in line to say goodbye to old man Twickham. So this is some old guy who has been on death's doorstep for about like two decades. And every couple of years he thinks he's going to die. So the whole town lines up to like say their goodbyes one at a time. And this has happened like countless times. Like Miss Patty has said goodbye 17 times. This guy sounds like a piece of shit. Yeah, it's all kind of funny, and Taylor is treating it with, like, reverence, but he's, like, the only one that is. Like, Kirk is just walking around selling Twickham's dying souvenirs. Lorelai buys a bunch of those, like, giant, like, you know, foam fingers <laughs> that Twickham is dying. He says, get him before he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Lorelai is just, like, not really treating it that serious. She's getting annoyed at how long it's taking, and Suki at some point says, like, he really should start dying earlier in the day. That was all funny. But this time he does die. Yay! Rory is sad that she missed it. She's like, oh, he's been dying my whole life. And then Lorelai's like, oh, don't worry. Like, someone else sounds like they're dying. So we have someone new to do this with. Also, there's a funny line because Andrew, the bookstore owner, when he's there, says that when he was saying his goodbyes, old man Twickham was, like, watching an episode of Summerland on his TiVo. And then when he died, Lorelai said that apparently he muttered something about Lori Laughlin. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, I was like, what? Why Lori Laughlin? And then I remembered she was on the show Summerland, which is just like one season, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Never heard of that show in my life. Rory and Paris are not in great spirits right now. Paris is upset because Doyle has not been contacting her. And she is just blasting classical music in her apartment as her way of dealing with it, I guess. Rory like calls her out on it and says she's living a real life Maxwell tape ad, which if you remember those tape ads, it's where the guy gets like blown back by the music in his chair. It's a really iconic ad. I don't really understand Paris's like coping mechanism because like 
Unless Doyle lives above her, she's just like hurting her neighbors. I don't really understand why she's doing this. But also, I don't really understand why she's not calling Doyle. I guess he's not really answering, I guess, is the indication. It seems like a lot. But Paris also calls Rory out to be like, well, you know, I haven't noticed Logan being around a lot. And Rory sort of admits that he hasn't been calling. Eventually, though, Rory convinces Paris to just stop wallowing and just like get out of the house. Like, go do something. We'll get to that later. Lane and Zach go to the music shop. We haven't been there in a while. Because Lane noticed that an old record she owned was written by Sophie Bloom, the store owner. Remember her? She's like the very New York woman. She also sang the theme song, Carol Kane. Oh, really? You pointed that out before. I forgot. I don't think she's a very good actor. I don't like how she delivers her lines in this episode. Yeah. I didn't mind. It didn't bother me. I mean, I think the idea is that she's like a very short, I don't have time for anybody, like New Yorker. That didn't bother me. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like not natural. Hmm. But I don't know that she's really an actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense then. Lane is like awkwardly and nervously like asking Sophie if she would like to get coffee sometime and share her music writing expertise with her. She's like, you could pass down so much information to me. It's really funny because Sophie seems willing to do this, but like not excited about it at all. She's all like, yeah, if I uh, have nothing going on and all my work's done and like I'm bored and there's nothing on TV, maybe I'll get a coffee. Yeah, like if I literally have nothing else to do and I feel like it. Yeah. This is like especially funny because it kind of reminded me of when I was in the comedy scene in Madison, Wisconsin. So many like new comics would be like, hey, man, I'd like to get coffee sometimes. Just like pick your brain about whatever. And it's just like at first it was fun. And some people who I really liked, I wouldn't mind. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know you. You're not funny. I don't want to have coffee with you. Yeah. So I kind of get the like, yeah, OK, sure. Let's get co- I'm not There's nothing I'm going to tell you that's going to make you funny. <laughs> Uh, Lane and Zach, though, have some trust issues play out in this episode. Lane, uh, later in the episode, is really excited to go shopping for cleaning supplies with Zach, almost like this is an exciting date they're going to have. And he suspiciously doesn't want to go, even though Lane says he loves shopping for cleaning supplies, which is like, what? What is this? What is this? What? Just dropping a character trait about Zach we didn't know real quick? Yeah, super weird. But he's like, you know, I can't go. Let's do it some other time. When she asks what his plans are, why he can't go, he just gets super defensive and says he just wants to hang out with some old friends. Like, why is she giving him the third degree? And she's like, okay, all right, whatever. It's no big deal. They're also, like, very concerned about Zach's hands in this episode. Like, Sophie points out that his hands are rough when they first go in the music shop. Right. And I wonder if that isn't later why he says, make sure you get something that's good on my hands because someone pointed out that his hands are all messed up. Right, right. He tells Lane to get, like, the proper... Dish soap for his hands, yeah. But when Lane comes home from shopping, she sees Zach talking to Sophie in the doorway of the music store and assumes they must be having some sort of affair, which is kind of crazy because Sophie is, like, way older than Zach. The way they are interacting is weird, though, because we do figure out what's actually happening. It seems almost, like, motherly to me. Yeah. She, like, touches him a little bit, but it, it and they seem friendly, but it doesn't seem, I don't know, romantic to me. So she's like, well, it seems like Zach's cheating on me with this older woman. But I'm in my head, I'm like, well, Zach could have all of those, like, groupies that want to have sex with him, not some older woman. Right. We'll get back to that later. Luke is pumped about Lorelai's in-news. That travel magazine that came to take pictures of her in was so impressed with her story and her in that they're going to write an article about her and put her on the front page. Luke is, like, super sweet here. He's so excited for Lorelai and so supportive. He even bought back issues of the magazine and researched who Lorelai should have interview her. Which is not a thing you can do, which Lorelai points out. 
Right, but I just this is so cool. I feel like, like it just shows how much he cares about her and loves her. He's like doing all this research for no real reason. He just yeah. wants to be supportive. While she's there, Lorelai notices the window between Taylor's candy store and Luke's is broken, and Luke kind of shrugs and plays it off, saying, like, well, you know Taylor, he's doing something, and crash, bang, there you go, and then quickly moves on to a new topic. Weirdly, he's also pumped to go to the town meeting, which usually he hates going to. Yeah, he says they gotta hurry. When they get there, the town meeting is trying to figure out where Kirk should be sleeping that night. They're trying to figure out his sleep schedule. He still doesn't have a home, if you remember from last week. Because he moved out. Uh, and they are all trying to decide whose home he can sleep in on which days. Are there just no vacancies in the town? Or does he not have money? He should have money. He works all the time. Yeah, you'd think he would have money. Also, why can't he stay at Lulu's? I know he has night terrors. That's probably part of it, maybe. Yeah, but I almost feel like they need to reintroduce that, if that's the yeah. reason. Yeah. And when they finally move on to discussing the Twickham estate, which obviously is the reason Luke is there, Kirk asks if the deathbed is still available. That was super funny. Yeah. I want to point out really quickly that um, Taylor should not be running this meeting. Jackson should. He's the one who won that election. Well, Jackson's directing this episode, so. So he couldn't do it, right? I feel like they just dropped that storyline. We haven't talked about it in a while, and he should be running this meeting. There should at least be a line of dialogue as to why he's not. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I do think they just dropped that storyline. I don't know if they ever address it again. I know, I remember reading at some point, it just goes back to being Taylor running the meetings, and this is maybe the first time we've seen that since the election. I don't know. It seems like there must have been another town meeting since then. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make, it's more interesting to have Taylor as, like, this character. Oh, I agree with you, but they wrote themselves into a corner. They need to write themselves out. They even had an episode where the town forced him to show up so they could run a town meeting. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's a mistake. So they needed to be like, oh, Jackson didn't want to do it, and he said Taylor could, or something. It's just weird to... I I love Gilmore Girls. I love this show. I think it's so funny. But they are bad about dropping storylines. They do it a lot. Yeah. And it's funny, because Buffy is like, I feel really good about justifying stuff and mentioning old storylines to like remind us that this stuff happened and it's still important. Whereas Gilmore Girls is like, no, we're just done with that plot. Oh, Jason? Yeah, he's just gone. We don't, we're done with Jason. That was silly. Oh, Max Medina? Yeah, she's not marrying him. Maybe we'll run into him again, but he's gone for a while. Yeah, I agree. Again, I don't know if they ever mention it again, but I, I do know that it's like a flaw in the show that they kind of just don't super address that that happened. Yeah, weird. I mean, it doesn't ruin anything. And you're right. Taylor's better, more fun to have run these meetings. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah, there should have been just a quick Jackson saying he didn't want to do it anymore and gave it back to yeah. Taylor. Because that's probably what happened. Yeah. Because he wasn't enjoying it. Well, it turns out that old man Twickham wanted to turn his house into a Stars Hollow Museum for two months after his death. And then the Historical Society's head, which is Taylor, of course, could do whatever he wants with the estate. So Taylor's asking for help. And like, weirdly, Luke is like ready to offer his help. Laurel and Taylor are both like dubious. Like, what? You want to help? Since when? Like, Taylor is so dubious. He's like, you just tried to kill me, <laughs> like, this morning <laughs> by throwing a pan at him through the window. And this is all because Taylor was playing his music too loud. He did warn Taylor, I guess, that he was going to throw it at him. But, like, that's crazy. I know we're playing this as a joke, but, uh, like, maybe Luke should, like, maybe see some anger management. <laughs> Professionals about, like, because that's crazy. Like, you could press charges for that, for sure. There was a window between them. It's not like he threw it right at his head. I, and I also feel like Taylor is the type of person who would press charges. So it's, like, weird that we're just like, oh, that's just that's just Luke being Luke in one of his rages, you know? I almost feel like we didn't need that, too. Because we needed yeah. to, like, understand that Luke and Taylor don't get along for this episode to work. But I feel like if you've seen the show, that's understood. Yeah. 
Lorelai asks Luke why he's being so uncharacteristically helpful to Taylor. And Luke lies, saying that Twickham was sort of a second father figure to him. And he felt bad about not saying goodbye, so he wants to do him right and help. Lorelai's like, oh, that's sweet. You're a good man. We don't know this is a lie, but we find out that this is a lie later. Luke shows up the next day to help, and Taylor refuses to believe he's actually there to help. Like, several times, Taylor's like, what are you, what are you really doing here? What are you really doing here? And he is right that he does have ulterior motives, but he insists that he's here to help. Taylor is predictably insane about all of this museum business. Like, he's made up colored shirts for everyone, designated their role in this operation. Kyle is there for some reason. I didn't think we'd see Kyle again. I thought he was done. Yeah, well, they want to keep him around to make fun of his disability some more. Yeah, he said he's there to lend a hand. <laughs> yeah. Taylor makes everyone join hands. Luke awkwardly holds Kyle's hook, which is kind of funny, but it's weird. And then close their eyes and then, like, imagine some young, freckled-faced Stars Hollow boy enjoying their first visit to the museum. This is so fucking weird, man. Taylor then won't let go of Luke's hand until he tells him why he's really there. Because he knows Luke hates Twickham. And that's how we know it's a lie. Because he says he knows Luke hates Twickham. So Luke lies again, saying that Lorelai asked him to do it. And he's doing it for Lorelai, you know, to get their relationship back off again on the right foot. So obviously Luke has a secret agenda that we're not privy to yet. Taylor, like, likes this. Like, he thinks that's sweet. So he's, like, down. But he says something like, yeah, I mean, I'd like to have you help. You're not untalented. <laughs> I was like, sweet, that he, like, complimented him? Yeah, I mean, Taylor is a, like, narcissist and, like, who's just like, oh, I can use Luke. But we know he's got an agenda because not in a million years would Luke do any of this stuff if he didn't have some goal in mind. Taylor just drinks in this opportunity to take advantage of Luke and his talents and kind of just makes him into his own little personal bitch this episode. Like, he's just bossing him around and making Luke constantly liaise with people. <laughs> just demanding stuff of him all the time. He gives Luke shit for contradicting him. Taylor, like, is anything he can try to turn into, like, something of significance, he will in this museum, right? Like, they find this, like, letter that's addressed to George Washington, but the date is signed, like, 1944 and mentions Jack Benny, so obviously it's a different George Washington. So Luke, like, insists that it's the wrong one. And Taylor's like, oh, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then Kirk is like, hey, Taylor wants to see you in his uh, trailer. And when Luke goes into his trailer, he's all like, you really shouldn't disagree with me in front of people. Well, first he says, you know, you have every right to disagree with me, of course. But, like, maybe you shouldn't do it in front of people like that George Washington letter. You know, that really humiliated me. <laughs> Looks like, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just in front of Gypsy, and uh, you were wrong, and it wasn't a big deal. But then the funny part, though, is that he's like, so he gets Luke to agree not to disagree with him in front of people. And then he goes like, and just to be safe, you probably should just, you know, never disagree with me. Also, when he goes to his office, it was like immediately after he left. Like, yeah. Kirk was like, he wants to see you in his office. And Luke's like, he was just here. Yeah, he like goes to his office on the way, must yell at Kirk to go get Luke. But Luke just sucks up his prize. Like, yep, okay, you're right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. This scene ends with Taylor asking Luke to go liaise with the carpenter, who's Dean, we find out. But when Luke leaves, Taylor just does this, like, super funny physical thing where he, like, stands up and, like, inspects his calendar. I don't know. It's just, like, so exaggerated. <laughs> so exaggerated, yeah. I don't know. It's such funny direction to give him. Yeah. Taylor also makes Luke go pick up a cannonball that Twickham apparently loaned to somebody. Rory asks Lorelai, like, why would anyone need to borrow a cannonball? And that question is never answered, and that's a good one. So we have a scene where it's just sort of casually mentioned that Luke went to go pick up this cannonball. 
Then some time passes, and when we come back to Luke, he's driving with Taylor at night, slowly in his car, and we just keep hearing this rolling and, like, banging and banging and rolling. And then the car stops, and Taylor just breaks the silence by saying, like, okay, you were right. We should have maybe tied down the cannonball. (laughs) So funny. It's funny for so many reasons. One, because I, at this point, and I think we're supposed to have sort of forgotten about the cannonball, because I don't think you're supposed to know it's a cannonball. It was just so casually mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think Rory's like, where's Luke? And then like Lorelai has like one quick line about it. So I don't even think I heard it the first time we watched it. Yeah. So I think you're supposed to forget. And it's not super clear what the sound is. But it's it's almost like a blackout sketch where it's just like, and that's the punchline. It was a Mm -hmm. cannonball. But it was super funny. But there's also more funny lines about this. Because they're going to unload the cannonball. And Taylor asks Dean, who's there, to come help. But of course, Luke doesn't want to deal with Dean. So Luke's like, no, 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 I get it. I I can get it by myself. But then Taylor says, and I'm like, this is so funny. And then Taylor says, you know, don't do this, Luke. Because one time I tried to lift a bird bath and I sprained my pecs. And they've been no good to me ever since. (laughs) <laughs> I love the idea that first you could sprain pecs, but also they're just no good to me after that. The bird bath specific is funny. All of that was funny. Was Taylor ever like using his pecs for good? Like <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, he and Dean do it. There's a lot of grunting and it's uncomfortable. Very reminiscent of the Boppet, them sharing yes. a small object. Yes. With anger. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um tension between him and Dean. They don't really speak, but But you can tell they're unhappy, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the end, Lorelai is doing the interview, and it seems to be going swimmingly. The interviewer is, like, loving everything that Lorelai's saying. Lorelai's being charming. And when the interviewer says Lorelai must have had a very supportive family, Lorelai laughs and then just starts dishing about old evil Emily. Lorelai gets a ton of laughs out of the interviewer, so she just, like, can't help but, like, talk more about Emily. This is going to be important in a little bit. Since Rory is Loganless, she heads back home for the weekend, only to find Paris there. Paris's parents are MIA right now because the IRS is after them. So she just went to Rory's house. Otherwise, she'd still be at her dorm being depressed about Doyle. And Paris isn't the only guest. Kirk is there. He had the same problem. He left his house without any idea where he was going to go. And he's there right now because the place he was scheduled to sleep that night has goldfish and he's afraid of goldfish. (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) Did you catch when Lorelai and Rory eventually leave the room? You can hear Kirk asking Paris how she feels about goldfish. (laughs) No, I didn't hear that. It's like very quiet. You're not supposed to hear it, I don't think, but you can. It's funny. Like, I don't think it's in the captions. Right. Lorelai tells Rory about how well her magazine interview went and mentions that the interviewer loved her Emily stuff especially. And that's when Rory gets that look on her face like, what the fuck did you do, mom? She's got this face like, they're going to print all that shit. What did you do? So Rory's like says all this, like, yeah, she's going to print all this stuff. None of this stuff's off the record. And that sounds like some juicy stuff. Also, Rory mentioned the article at Friday Night Dinner, and Emily wrote the name of the magazine down. So Emily's definitely going to read these stories about herself. Lorelai went pretty deep on Emily, too. She apparently had a limerick that contains two dirty words that rhyme with Emily. Colostomy. I don't know what. I can't think of one. Yeah, that seems like a not very funny joke. While Kirk is at their house, there's sort of like a running bit about Kirk like bumbling around and also just essentially acting like a bratty kid at the house. It's, it's, all right. None of these jokes really hit for me. It's kind of funny. Like, they're going to go to the museum the next day. She's like, put a jacket on. He's all like, I don't want to. She's like, well, then maybe you're not going to go to the museum. He's like, well, I'm get my jacket. It's, I don't know. Didn't really hit for me. Did it work I for really you? didn't like the breakfast stuff. Yeah. The stuff the night before when she's talking to Rory about the article is kind of funny. Yeah. He's like, comes in with his hands over his eyes. 
And he's like, well, I don't know. I thought you might be naked. She's like, you thought I would go into my daughter's room and get naked? <laughs> she's like, I don't know your routine. And then he's just like bumbling around the kitchen trying to find water with his eyes closed. That was, yeah, was kind of funny. funny. But the next morning, yeah, it's like a long bit about how he's got to like eat his breakfast and get his jacket and he didn't turn the TV off. I think I'm fine with Kirk acting that way. But like Lorelai was like playing the character of Kirk's mommy. And it was like she wasn't doing a bit. Yeah. She was just like, nope, this is the reality. I'm. Yeah. You know, like she wasn't trying to be funny for Rory and Paris. She You're was right. just like doing it. I was like, this yeah. doesn't fit the show. This yeah, is, I like, agree. So much. And apparently Kirk deals blackjack in his sleep. Yeah, that- that was another thing. So Paris is there and she says like, oh, I couldn't sleep because Kirk talks in his sleep. And he sits down and knows he must have been talking about some sort of gambling. But he does more than talk in his sleep. He has like straight up crazy night terrors where he runs around. So I feel like they've kind of changed Kirk's sleeping to be like just, yeah. they toned it down quite a bit. She tells him he needs to see a sleep therapist. So maybe he's a little all over the place with the sleep. Yeah. She's also like, how old is he? <laughs> <laughs> But the next day, Lorelai takes them all to the new museum. Mostly, I think, to make fun of it. I don't think they're there to, like, really take it in like it matters. They go to all the town stuff. That's true. But with a ticket to the museum, you also get a big glass of Founder's Punch. Ticket's $3, and they keep saying that this punch is, like, very potent and very strong. So $3 for just the alcoholic beverage is not a bad deal. True. So Paris, Rory, and Lane all have big glasses of Founder's Punch while Lorelai, Suki, and Luke go inside. The girls get very drunk very quickly while they commiserate about men. So this scene, though, I want to talk about it a little bit because I feel like this scene is supposed to be really funny and, like, had the potential to be really funny, but, like, it did not work for me. No. I don't want to shit in the show. I love the show. And it wasn't like this was embarrassing or, like, offensive. It it just it wasn't that funny. That's all. It's just I was like, this scene's going to be so funny. And it just, man, it just wasn't that funny. By the way, the neighbors upstairs are vacuuming for the millionth time, so you definitely can hear that for sure. Yeah, that does usually get picked up. The scene in the spring break episode yes. where Rory and Paris were getting drunk with Madeline and Louise was very well done. Yes. I thought they played drunk very realistically in that. In this, it just felt like cartoonish. Like, Lane's just kind of not making sense, and Paris is like, this is tasty. I was like, that's... Yeah. Is it? It probably tastes disgusting, because it's so yeah. strong. Yeah. Like, do you mean I'm drunk, and that's fun? Or, I don't know. It just felt weird. Yeah. And I wish we would have seen, like, more of this. Like, Rory and Paris barely contribute anything to this conversation. Yeah. It could have just been, like, a fun, drunk scene with all these girls bonding, but it wasn't. Like, Lane leaves immediately. Lane's jacket's cute, though. It is cute. Pretty quickly, Lane stands up and decides she's going to go confront Zach about his lying. She says, we're friends as well as lovers if we ever get married, and then leaves. That was pretty funny because she's set up she's not going to have sex until they get married. Yeah. That was funny. That was funny. Paris says she wants to go to the bathroom, but Rory's like, no, you're going to go try to find a payphone to call Doyle. Paris gave her cell phone to Rory so she wouldn't call Doyle, and Paris, now drunk, clearly wants to call Doyle. She promises she's not going to do that. She takes her socks off and shoes to prove how could she go find a payphone if she's barefoot? She's going to go into a public restroom barefoot? Yeah, is that better? Gross. But of course, as soon as she leaves to go to the bathroom, she goes looking for a payphone. And I also thought this wasn't funny. She's just like walking around the town, demanding people give her money. And when they don't, she does like fart noises at them. Like That sounds made up, but that's what she does. She's like, give me a dollar. And I'm like, this is insane, even for Paris. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was not funny. She keeps telling them to fall in a hole, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was supposed to be funny, but it just felt like too much. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it just it just didn't work for me. And, and this episode does have some really good jokes, but these jokes just were not working for me. 
The joke of her not having shoes on and asking for money was yeah. sort of funny because that's not what Paris is. Right. But then like when they cut back to her and we see like two more minutes of it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we, we get it. Yeah. Lane drunkenly barges into Sophie's music shop. She's very angry and she confronts Sophie. Sophie's like, okay, your breath uh, is crazy. It's going to knock out an elephant. But it turns out Zach has been sketchy because he's actually hiding the fact that he's really into playing banjo with some friends. And he's embarrassed that he likes bluegrass since their band is about being rock and roll. So he's just there with his buds, Steve Martining. So then Lane and him have like this sweet moment where she's like, it's sexy when you do it. And then they bond about how excited she's been to tell him that she bought him three containers of lemon pine sole because she knows that's the kind he likes. Yeah, she said that to Sophie, too. She's like, I know what kind of cleaning products he likes. Do you? This storyline was dumb. (laughs) Yeah, like they invented a thing that Zach's into, the cleaning thing. And yeah, I don't know. It's whatever. They're, they should be dealing with the fact that they can't have sex. They're like dealing with this nonsense problem. Yeah. And that would have been my, if I feel like Lane should be like, he's upset that we can't have sex. I mean, I feel like that was maybe slightly implied, but I feel like that would be the top of my mind if I were her. Right. I'd be like, is this because we can't have sex? Yeah, I mean, they did address it. They didn't just like drop that. But Right. They didn't drop this like they do other storylines. <laughs> but Now, I said this stuff doesn't work, but I do feel like uh, some of this museum stuff is kind of funny. Some isn't. Some is. Inside the museum, Luke is showing Suki and Lorelai all the kind of cool memorabilia they have. Like, everything there is something that's like, this might have been owned by someone who maybe taught George Washington's kid's nephew. Like, what the fuck? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, everything has a possible in front of it. Like, they have a flag. It's like, this is maybe an original 48-star flag, even though it's got a Sears tag on it. The one funny thing I will say is that there's just a hole in the floor where the cannonball fell through, and they just have flashlights on a table for people to look down at it. That was funny. That was funny. A lot of this is pretty funny, but so much of the episode is dedicated to this tour. Yeah. Downstairs is where, like, the real heart of this museum is. This is where the audiovisual diorama is set up. Is it downstairs? I thought it was upstairs. You might be right. I don't know where they go. They go into, like, a dark room, and they have this, like, diorama set up with, like, mannequins, and they, like, put a spotlight on the mannequin and then dialogue over it. They've done that. I've seen one of these before. This is, like, a real thing they do. But this is very fly-by-night, clearly done by, like, Kirk and Kyle. (laughs) Like, all this stuff. And narrated by Taylor. Yeah, that's what's funny is Taylor's specific personal narration. Who's just, like, raging right-wing creationist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very religious for no reason at all. I don't think we ever knew that before. I mean, maybe you could guess. (laughs) his, His beliefs come through. Yeah. He starts with, like, back at the dawn of time, whether or not you believe it was God that created everything, or if you believe in the more and more discredited theory of evolution. One thing is certain. There's no proof that the first tools weren't invented in Stars Hollow. (laughs) Cut to a caveman mannequin just holding a modern-day wrench in his hand. He goes on to say, the first residents of this land, besides the Indians, were the Puritans. Those were his words. Then he goes on to have, like, a Puritan family talking about this land and, again, shining a spotlight on each mannequin when it talks. But they mention that one of the children is mute. So every time they, like, it's time for him to talk, they shine the light on him, but he just doesn't speak. And they do that, like, three or four times. It's, it's kind of funny. It's a little weird, but it's kind of funny. Then they go on to tackle the groovy 60s, which he calls a veritable dark age that culminated in a sit-in that gathered over a thousand freaks. <laughs> He hates him so much. He's so, he just hates him. Suki is loving all of this. Yeah, Suki would do this for days. She loves every part of this. 
Lorelai has to duck out early because she gets a call back from the magazine. Lorelai asks the woman if she wouldn't mind taking the Emily stuff out, but the reporter is like really resistant. And I actually think that this phone call is good because I think this is sort of how a reporter would really respond, and I think it's it's fair and realistic. The reporter loves the story as it is. When Lorelai's like, well, okay, but could you take the Emily stuff out? She's like, I'd really rather not. The Emily stuff is really funny and really helps the article, and also like it was a lot of work, which I bet it was. Writing an article is not easy. And she's proud of the writing, I'm sure. She probably doesn't want to take this parts out. Lorelai then says, like, well, could you do a quick rewrite for a friend? And then the reporter's like, well, we're not friends. And I'm like, yeah, you're not friends. Why would you say that to her? Like, you met her one time. Lorelai had mentioned to Rory that it was really fun talking to this woman. Like, they were friends. So I think Lorelai had it in her head that they were. Right. And I get that. I don't think Lorelai's stupid. I just feel like she has never been interviewed by a reporter who she must realize is doing a job. The reporter says at this point that the only option they have is to just cut the whole story and then replace it with something else, which would include the front page and everything. So Lorelai tells her to go ahead and keep it. We get one final diorama set up, which is the modern Stars Hollow mannequin family. They're just talking about how much they love Stars Hollow. And then the last line is like the little girl mannequin going, and I love Jesus. No reason for her to say that. Just Taylor wanted her to. <laughs> Very representative of all the homes in Stars Hollow. <laughs> yeah, and all the children in Stars Hollow. Taylor is so super proud of this mess of a museum that he wants to keep it open indefinitely. But when he tells this to Luke, Luke just tells him that it's a joke. And the reason he's been helping, actually, is because he wants to buy the house to maybe raise a family in? That's what he says? Yeah. It's too big. It's a very big house. Yeah. It's huge. It's, it's enormous. They're nearly 40. How many kids are they going to have? At this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only way Luke really convinces Taylor to, like, not make this museum go on indefinitely is he's like, this place is a money pit. Like, the bowling ball went through the floor just sitting there. Like, you're going to lose money. I think that's the only reason Taylor would give this up. Yeah, yeah. Luke knew how to appeal to him. So he says he's going to think about selling it to him. Yeah. Afterwards, Lorelai calls the reporter back and says that she wants her to pull the story. She's changed her mind. She looks really bummed about this, but she's doing the right thing. And I I love that, honestly, because it's just like... Lorelai, like, hates her mother and is mad at her mother, but she's, like, she knows what's right and wrong, and she's like, I, there's no reason to hurt my mother like this. I do think she should have consulted with Suki, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Suki worked really hard to get this article done, and it helps both of them. You're absolutely right. It's Lorelai's, like, story, I guess, but yeah, they're co-owners. I mean, I think Lorelai should have just done it, but it is what it is. Let it get printed? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's openly in a fight with her mother right now. I guess that kind of is public to all her mom's friends and stuff, having it printed. Yeah, but also Lorelai isn't, it's not like Lorelai made up stuff. Then it'd be like, no, you shouldn't print that. But it's like, this is what happened. Well, she maybe made up some words that rhyme with Emily that she thinks are words. <laughs> That's true. Lorelai, by the way, looks at the house and she admires it. And she's like, oh, I've never really looked at it before, which is nonsense. She's stood outside in line multiple times for hours. How, how would she not have looked at it before? There's a place down the street from us that kind of looks like it. Oh, I've never looked at it before. No, I pointed it out to you the other day. Yeah, but I was in line. <laughs> Rory comes over, uh, breathing fire, and says that she doesn't feel good. Lorelai's like, oh, yeah, I can smell wine. So she takes her home. Luke starts packing up, and that's when Dean walks by. And then Dean's kind of like muttering stuff under his breath, being attitude-y. Then they start getting into a who's moodier argument. And finally, Dean says that Lorelai's eventually going to leave Luke. He's like... Lorelai wants more than this, the town, I guess, is what he means by that. And that's all Luke is. 
she'll eventually get bored with Luke and leave him. He says that he and Luke are the same and they're going to have the same outcome. But I don't know. This is maybe foreshadowing and maybe Dean's right. We'll find out. But like, I don't know where he's getting this because Lorelai fucking loves the town for one. So this is maybe all she wants. Like Rory's the one that's like travel, 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 travel. So it seems a little like maybe this is what she wants. Yeah, I don't know where Dean is necessarily getting this from because I feel like Lorelai has like strived very hard to get away from this like world that Rory's maybe now trying to enter which Dean has observed firsthand but like right Lorelai's like setting down roots hard like she owns a home and a business in this town yeah so I don't know if he's just like angry at Luke for everything and but you're right it does seem like the show's trying to tell us Dean might be right why else would they have this scene Right. I don't have a problem with Dean's point of view just being wrong. Like, him having a wrong point of view. That's not crazy for a character just to be wrong. But, like, the way it's said at the end of the show, like, you suggested, sort of suggests to us, like, the show's letting us know Dean's got a point here. Which, the show has not told us that yet, so that's a little weird. It might just be to make Luke insecure, even if Dean is wrong. Yeah. Because Luke kind of is insecure about Emily. Oh, yeah. Like, they just kind of got over that. So he's he's insecure about that lifestyle being a part of Lorelai always. Yeah. And Dean's kind of just reinforcing that. That's maybe the point of it. Yeah. We get one more quick scene of Rory crying in Lorelai's arms in the bathroom, asking why Logan doesn't like her. Why won't he call her while Lorelai like comforts her? And that's the whole episode. Yeah. That's the end. Mm-hmm. Stacy, do you think this is a good one? Not really. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of really funny stuff. Like, Taylor was funny. It was a funny Taylor episode. And he wasn't, like, that big of a jerk. Right. Like, he, he wasn't ruining anyone's life. Right. Like, if anything, Luke was kind of being a jerk to him. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but a lot of stuff just didn't really work. Like, Paris was unpleasant and not funny. Yep. yep. They could have done so much more with girl talk. The Zach thing was really weak. The museum thing was, like, random and weird and kind of a fun town thing. And there were some really funny jokes, but like so much of the episode was dedicated to the museum tour and like none of that really mattered. Right. Some of it was funny. Like Taylor's narration legit had some real funny jokes in there. But yeah, yeah, none of it really mattered. And the Dean stuff seemed forced and like, wait, what? Is that really what's happening? I don't know. And the Rory and Logan problem kind of seemed out of nowhere. Like, the last time we saw them, they were great. So I feel like we maybe needed one more episode of her, like, trying to call him and him not answering. Yes, that's what I would have liked. Is the last episode isn't really about Logan, but she definitely tries to call him a couple times and doesn't get through. Then it's like, oh, this is a problem. Because we're just like, oh, there's been a problem off screen, everybody. We've kind of set up that Paris and Doyle are having problems. Like, she's yeah. been on his case about labeling their relationship yeah. several episodes. Totally. But... Yeah, I'm trying. To, what was the last episode before this? I feel like Logan and Rory were like great. Pulp Friction. It, okay. Well, you know, the last episode she was essentially like we're hot and heavy again because I made him jealous. But her mom did maybe seem like she thought that didn't mean it was going to be all tulips and roses going forward. Is tulips and roses the saying? I, I made it a saying. Sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, that's what it is. So I, I guess it could be implied that. Her turning him down at that party, too. They they did say that they had a bunch of plans and things were good. Right. But her mom was weird on the phone. And we even mm-hmm. discussed, like, is that because she just fought with Emily or is that because she's uneasy about Rory's confidence that things are going well? Yeah. Either way, I feel like it was weird that we off screen see their relationship crumbling a bit. Yeah. But yeah, funny. Some fun, cute stuff, but not particularly good overall. Yeah. There's a 
a lot of things that didn't work. And, you know, I love Gilmore Girls, but I just have to say this is probably the weakest episode this season. Yeah, I would say so. And there might be a couple other ones that weren't great, but... But I got to say, even the weak episodes do have funny stuff, man. Like, there was still... The cannibal thing was super funny. The mannequin stuff was pretty funny. It's a good show. Just uh, not the best episode. They did the best they could with the plot lines that they chose to work with in this episode. Yeah, but they did still choose those plot lines. It's not like yeah. they found them. We're like, well, we got to do this. Well, I guess Zach's playing the banjo. We got to deal with that. I mean... <sighs> the actor refuses to do another scene unless we give him a banjo. Fucking flute happening here. I kind of want to open the window and just let them hear it. I mean, just do it. Okay. All right, guys. I, I opened the window so you could hear the flute music because it's ridiculous. I hope you can hear it. Let's all just listen for a second. Just every day with this guy. It's like, right, it's just like it echoes. He's right outside everyone's window. It's like a recorder. You've all had children that played the recorder, right? You've all had adult neighbors who play the recorder, right? That's what we got. All right, I'm shutting it. What the fuck? What the fuck? He's like swinging it like a bat, like like beating an invisible giant drum. Okay. With with sure. the it, it's it's turned into like a fighting stick. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> it's so weird. <sighs> Let's move on. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 5, Episode 18, Cat House, when Piper and Leo began to have marital problems, Piper cast a spell to allow them to literally see their past together. What does that have to do with cats? Isn't like a cat house like a brothel? I don't know. I feel like it is. I just see like cat houses. Yeah, it's a brothel. Well, I mean, do we know how Piper and Leo met? Well, I think they see their past lives. Oh my god, you think they knew each other in past lives? I think they did, yeah. And all of them were at brothels? Every one of them. It's weird. It's weird that this life they aren't. Yeah. But it's all different scenarios. Like, sometimes Leo's working at the brothel. Sometimes right. Piper's yeah, working yeah, yeah. at the brothel. It's different. Sometimes they're both just customers at the brothel. Yeah, sometimes they both work there, but they, like, barely know each other. At one point, they were both just bartenders at a brothel. But they always have a special connection. Like, in every life, they always, like, pass each other. Yeah. And say the same thing. You looking for some straight-up pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a drink at the bar. It's the name of one of the cocktails they make. <laughs> Sometimes they straight up mean straight up pussy. Sometimes they're repeating what they heard a customer say. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's really, I, I cried a little bit watching this. Yeah. Usually I don't. And this is like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of almost like being projected. So they're just like sitting on the living room floor watching all this. Yeah. Their son walks in. I don't know if he walks. He's a baby, but he's a magic baby. He walks. So why comes he in. He kind of floats in. He's like, what are you doing? And they're like, we probably shouldn't watch this part of our past lives. Yeah. It's a, this episode is. Um, very raunchy. It's very raunchy. Yes. But this fixes their marital problems. Yeah. They realize that one of the problems they had is that just haven't said they're phrased to each other in this life. Yes. So she says it to him, and he's like, hell yeah. And then they're just happy. It hasn't made sense in this life, him being a dog no. and all that. Right, yeah. 
Yeah. And um, Phoebe and Paige, this whole episode, they're um, dealing with a problem with the bank. <laughs> it's very mundane. Boring. Yeah. It keeps cutting back and forth between this like hilarious bank scene where they keep trying to like fix their financial situation with, with magic, but it can't be fixed with magic. At one point, the banker looks up to them. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you guys looking for some straight up savings? And they're like, yes. And it's kind of funny because you think he's going to say something else. Yeah. And then it keeps cutting back and forth to the, you know, yeah. the raunt that's happening at the mansion. Yeah. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Not very good. No. Gilmore Girls was probably better. Yeah. And it wasn't very good, so. So that should tell you what you need to know. But it was sweet. It was cute. And sexy. This has been... Hot. Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. We just wanted to take a second now to let you guys know about Summer Water, a very special product from our friends at Wink.com. Summer Water is an award-winning, highly praised dry rosé and one of Wink's top-selling products. It's so well-liked that Wink gave it its own wine club, the Summer Water Societe. Society members receive 10% off their orders, free shipping, and random surprises included in the delivery. You can order packs of 4, 8, or 12 bottles, including the regular Summer Water Rosé, or try their chilled red. It's also available in Summer Water Rosé Droplets, which are fun-sized single-serving bottles. Stay stocked on Rosé for your summer events and all year round. If you're interested, you can sign up using the Summer Water link in our episode description. Now he's swinging around, I don't know, maybe two sticks? Maybe he's got two recorders. Maybe he broke it in half. I don't know. It looks like paper towel too. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's too many activities. Maybe he's just trying to figure out what he's good at. We all we all are, right? Yeah. We're all doing our best. He's knocking them on stuff, I think. I hear pounding occasionally. Yeah, I hear it too. I don't know what that is, though. Okay. Well, now, guys, I want to know what's going to happen to Buffy. So, Stacy, please tell us all about intervention. This episode is about Buffy and Giles going to the desert for a quest to help Buffy with her slayer path, and also about a Buffy sex bot. Yep, that is accurate. <laughs> so Giles is just fully Buffy's dad now. Yeah. He's come over and made Dawn and Buffy dinner. He's helping them with the dishes. Afterwards, he kind of checks in with Buffy to see how she and Dawn are coping with Joyce being gone. And she's like, yeah, I mean, not great, but... We're starting to settle into a routine. And he's like, so speaking of routine, you want to like start slaying again or nah? Because you kind of like demanded our jobs back and we haven't really been doing any of that for like a few episodes now. Where are we at with that? Buffy's like, actually, I think I want to take a break from all that. And Giles is all like, glasses off. What now? What is this? (laughs) And Buffy says that she doesn't really like what slaying is doing to her as a person. That it's making her less of a person, making her too hard. Like, she pushed Riley away, and she's not sure that her mom knew how much she loved her. Right. And Giles is like, well, there's this quest you could go on that other Slayers have done that might help you learn more about your role as a Slayer and regain your focus. This is basically being like, you're going to slay. We're going to fix you. Like, quitting's not an option, almost. Well, he first he says, though, that, like, your mom definitely knows. Yes, 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 yes. He's not a jerk, but... The quest definitely seems like this isn't to help you figure out if slaying's for you. It's like, no, we're going to teach you slaying's the right choice. Right. It's a scared slay program. <laughs> but they got to go out into the desert to do this. It'll take a couple days. And Buffy's like, I can't just leave Dawn, though. Glory's after her. Dawn's like, I'll be okay for a few days if it'll help you. Really, like, it's fine. Buffy can't fight Glory anyway. It might as well be Xander guarding Dawn. Yeah, right. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, Buffy can't do anything about it. I get why Buffy would be like, I'd rather... I obviously have more of a shot than anybody else, but I still don't have a fucking shot, though. Right. 
But also in the scene, Buffy practices saying that she loves Giles and then later Dawn because it's like hard or weird for her to say. She says it a bunch to Dawn and Dawn's like, okay, I'm getting weird now. And Buffy says, weird love's better than no love, which is the perfect transition into Spike picking up his completed Buffy bot from Warren. Yeah. She looks good because it's just Sarah. Yeah, right. The skirt choice is weird. She's wearing like a long pleated skirt and like mom heels. I don't know if that was Warren's idea or Spike's, but she wears this the whole episode. I just don't get why they made this fashion choice. It's supposed to be kind of weird, right? Buffy calls it out later. I don't know. Maybe that's just what Warren had around the house. Like, why not make her super hot? You mean make her hot? You mean just an outfit that's super hot? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because she had to get home. (laughs) To Spike's basement. Yeah. Warren's like, yeah, she's great. She's got all the programming you asked for. Spike's like, I don't know. She looks a little shiny or fake or something. But then she comes to life and is very excited to plant a kiss on Spike. And Spike's like, yep, she'll do. And (laughs) Warren's like, all right, I'm leaving town. How did Spike afford this? He's like always stealing shit from the Scoobies. I don't think he paid any money for it. Is Warren somehow popping these out for like 20 bucks? The materials to make this alone would be like tens of thousands of dollars probably. Totally, totally. It doesn't make any sense. And how... I feel like this should take, uh, like, months to make. I mean, it's been a few episodes, but, yeah. I mean, Spike can't kill Warren. To be fair, Warren doesn't know that. Yeah. Warren doesn't know that Spike is nerfed. That's true. So maybe he threatened to kill him if he didn't do it? Yeah. Glory is worried that Ben, who she shares a body with or something. Or something. Or something. Is getting stronger, and that she's losing control of him, and that she's running out of time to find the key. Glory assumes that Buffy and the key are somehow connected. I'm not really sure how she's making that assumption. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but it's just like the only person she interacts with that we see. So It's also unclear why she doesn't, if she feels that way, why she doesn't just come over and like torture Buffy until she says what's up. Right. But she tells her minions to go find out who's new or special or different in Buffy's life because that person's probably the key. Because they know it's a person now. Ben kind of accidentally spilled the beans yeah. on that. So Giles and Buffy head out to the desert in the warmest clothes they own. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it'd be one thing if they went in the middle of the night or something, so it might be cold, but it's like, it looks like it's hot right now. They do stay overnight, and I know that deserts get cold at night, but like, when they arrive, it looks very warm. Yep. Buffy's got like a long, thick coat on over a turtleneck. Like layers. Have a shirt on. Bring your coat. The episode aired in late April, too. So it's not even like really close to winter anymore. Like, I feel like that would be too warm of clothes for New York in April, let alone yeah. California. I don't know. Someone tell us if this makes sense. We're just like miscalculating. Desert temp. We're not desert people. Giles says he can't walk to the sacred place with her and has to perform a ritual to temporarily transfer his guardianship of her to a guide. Nobody, like, ritualistically gave him guardianship of her in the first place, did they? Maybe. That we didn't see? Yeah, yeah, but Wesley didn't give him. I don't know. That's weird. It seems like they're just assigned a watcher. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is some mystical stuff behind the scenes we don't see. She's like, great, so I get a guide, but no food or water? And then the guide leads me to a sacred place, and then a week later leads you to my bleached bones? And Giles is like, Buffy, please. It takes more than a week to bleach bone. (laughs) (laughs) So Giles starts building a little circle out of some twigs, which he has to jump out of, jump back into, and then shake his gourd. This will start the the ritual. This is funny, man. This is really funny. Yeah. Buffy gives him shit for this sounding like the hokey pokey, and then he does it. It's really silly. Like, he leaps into it, like kind of this, like, huge side hop, and then out of the circle. 
like unenthusiastically, but like probably bigger than he would need to do it. Like he probably could just step in and out. And Buffy, when he's done, is like, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Her line delivery is just perfect. It's so deadpan. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really laughed a lot of that. It was funny. So Giles sits in his little circle and he reads a spell from a book while Buffy walks through the desert in her warm, warm coat. She meets like a mountain lion who she assumes she's supposed to follow. Could have just been a mountain lion. She doesn't know. Yeah, that would have sucked. But she assumes correctly and it leads her to a rock. And she says she knows this place. I'm assuming this is where she was in her restless dream. Yeah. It, it was weird because I was like, yeah, you've been here, Buffy. But then I was like, oh, wait, that was a dream. You, you weren't here. It gets dark. Giles is sipping thermos tea by his car. It does seem cold now, but I stand by what I said about layers. Eventually, the guide shows up in the form of the first layer. She's like hiding behind the fire. I don't really understand why. Like we see her that it's like fully a person. It's not like an apparition or something. I don't know why she couldn't like be right in front of Buffy. Did Buffy build the fire? Did that just show up? I don't think the fire's real. Oh. Doesn't the fire disappear? Yeah, I can't remember. Buffy sees a fire and what looks like the first layer hiding behind the fire. Buffy tells her that she's worried about losing her humanity. But the guy tells Buffy that she's full of love, that she loves with all her soul. She just pulls away from love because she has so much of it. Love will bring you to your gift. Buffy's just like, huh? I'm getting a gift? Or I have a gift that I'm going to give to someone else? She's like, no, death is your gift. Buffy's like, no, it is not. My mother just died. Death is not a gift to anybody. And the guy's like, well, that's all I got. I don't know what to tell you. Bye. <laughs> that sounds just like the first layer. <laughs> Bye. She actually says, your question has been answered, but she doesn't provide any more information. Buffy leaves confused. I do know that the season finale is called The Gift, so... Oh, I would think that's connected to this. That's going to be about... Does Buffy die? Like I said, I don't think it's connected to this. Buffy's going to die so someone else can live. I guess Someone's that would gonna... be a gift, yeah. Sure, yeah. She's going to yeah. die so someone else can be the slayer? Hard to say. Just things I'm saying. I don't know. But this has to be connected. Meanwhile, Spike and his Buffy bot are living out all his fantasies. God damn it, man. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller plays seductive very well. <laughs> Most of his fantasies are about her like wanting to slay him but not being able to because she's helpless against him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, that's kind of what's happening in real life. She can't slay him. Seems that way. Like, real Buffy, who says she's not attracted to Spike, isn't able to slam. It's cool, though. Sarah's playing the robot, like, just like the other girl played April. It's right. good performance. But after their romp, Spike's hair's all messed up, by the way. That's funny. They're, like, snuggling on the ground, and she's like, should I start this program over? He's like, no, what? Don't, no, we don't say program. It's yeah. ruining it for me. And eventually Spike falls asleep. His hair is smooth now. Don't know when they fixed it. But Buffy Bot decides that it's time to go out to slay. Why is she programmed to actually want to go out and slay? I mean, it's possible that Warren assumed that Spike wanted that kind of stuff in there and added it. And Spike is just unaware. Yeah. Like, he didn't ask for it, but Warren's like, yeah, it makes sense. You want Buffy and Buffy slays. Because she, she does know how to fight, so she must have been programmed to know how to fight well. But, like, right. Warren's robot also knew how to fight. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Tara is putting up a warning spell on Xander's apartment because that's where Donna's staying. She not so naturally drops that Willow is the better witch. Like, she's quickly become better than Tara. This is not really addressed, but it seems important. 
a lot of stuff happens here. Tara mentions that Willow's going to want to watch some documentary about the Salem witch trials tonight, which is just going to get her all upset. And Anya's like, oh, I was there. It really wasn't that big of a deal. If you were really a witch, you could just do a spell and escape. Which is funny because that's what Amy the Rat did. Yeah. But while this conversation is happening, Klepto Dawn is just like casually stealing a pair of earrings that Anya left on a table. Or I hope that's an action figure variant. Klepto Dawn. <laughs> Not cool, Dawn. I'm sure these are magic and it's going to be important in the future. But does Dawn know that? She's just stealing earrings? Seems not smart. Also, one of Glory's minions is just like creeping on them from the window who Dawn somehow doesn't see. He's not hidden. Yeah, I know. He's like very much like, I'm in the scene. <laughs> meanwhile, 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 Willow is finishing up with the class and goes walking down a dark alley by herself. She's being followed by a minion. Cut back to Buffybot. She's out slang. She runs into Xander and Anya who have gone out patrolling. And they do that thing again like they did in the other bot episode where we see through the bot's perspective. And she like clocks who Xander and Anya are and a few things about them yeah, pop yeah, up on yeah, her yeah, screen. Yeah. And one of Anya's is likes money. <laughs> She's yeah. like, Anya, how is your money? <laughs> and Anya's just like, fine. Thank you for asking. Anya loves it. It was like that worked perfectly for Anya. Yeah. She's like, I've been waiting for someone to ask me about my money. That was funny. They sense that Buffy's a little off, but don't seem all that concerned. Right. Like I said, she's speaking exactly like the other sex bot did. So you'd think this would seem familiar? I mean, she looks just like Buffy. Yeah. I mean, she looks just like their friend Buffy. She's out slaying. They're not going to be like, oh, it's a robot. Because the context is all Buffy. She's being a little weird, but... Yeah. It, to be fair, none of them spent as much time with the robot as Buffy did. Like, Buffy was the one that actually, like, talked to her for a while. Right. But Spike has woken up, noticed his new toy is missing. He's arrived on the scene. Obviously, Buffy Bot is very excited to see him. She's like, it's Spike, and he's wearing a coat. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm like, guys, would you think this is a little weird? I mean, I think they do think it's a little weird. Th they definitely do. So Spike's got to try to justify all this. He's like, uh, I'm glad you're here. There's, like, so many vampires tonight. A lie. But then a ton do show up, like seven of them, just like round the corner as soon as he said that. They all fight them. The minions are spying on all of this too. They get them all and Spike's like, okay, cool. That's probably all the vampires for now. Everybody go home except me and Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buffy too is like, Spike and I can handle it from here. Again, they do think this is a little weird, but like not weird enough to really question it. So they leave. Right. But Buffy's having a problem. She did the slaying. Why isn't she satisfied? Okay, you can't talk like that either, hon. Her gotta, skin's all hot. You gotta stop. You had to take a little break here, I think. What was yeah, I did. This was too much for me. Walk <laughs> <laughs> us through your process. We had to I pause. Need, well, I need to go for a walk after this. <laughs> this is too much, guys. Joss was like just furiously writing this script. You could just tell it was like... And then Sarah, I mean, I, I mean Buffy, and then Buffy says... <laughs> I wonder, just like imagining how many young boys collectively got boners when this aired live. Every single one. Every boy in America. Sarah Michelle Gellar plays that like fake, confused, sexy really well. After Xander and Anya walk away, they do acknowledge that Buffy was being a little weird. But it's probably just from being in the desert, you know. The desert does that to you. Yeah, deserts are crazy. They don't know what happened in the desert. You walk into one of those cold deserts and this is going to happen. <laughs> But then Xander realizes that she didn't ask about Dawn, so something must be up. Didn't Spike tell Warren to program BuffyBot with fake memories of Dawn just like the real Buffy has? <laughs> well, I mean, she probably did, but it just isn't a priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So they go back to see what's up, and Buffy's just riding Spike in the middle of the graveyard. Uh-oh. It feels like, to me, like, Spike, like, maybe you should not do this just in the middle of the graveyard. Yeah, just from, like, a vampire might come along and kill you. Well, forget the vampire part. Just, like, Buffy might be patrolling and, like, come across you. Yeah, he doesn't know Buffy's out of town. Maybe he does. He might be spying on Buffy. Yeah. But maybe it's a fantasy if it's to do it in the graveyard. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That makes it fine, then. <laughs> As Tara predicted, Willow is upset about the witch trial show. They're watching it at Xander's place while Dawn sleeps in the bedroom. And then Xander and Anya bust in, letting them know that Buffy's gone insane. Tara's like, come on, my mom died too. People act out in these situations. And Anya's like, yeah, Buffy's boinking Spike. Tara's like, okay, yeah, she's nuts. <laughs> Xander decides he's going to go try to fix this. And back at Spike's house, Buffy and Spike are mid-blowy when Xander shows up. I thought that was a funny transition too. It's like so tame. You almost might miss it, but Buffy's like down out of frame and pops up. I don't know if they were mid or about to, but like Spike's face is more about to than mid, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. They probably couldn't make it too obscene. Right. Spike tells Buffy to go hide in his little basement until he comes to get her. So Xander comes in. He's like, not cool, Spike. You're trying to take advantage of Buffy and her emotional state. He's like, well, if she's seeking comfort, I'm not going to deny her. I'm not a monster. Xander's like, you are. <laughs> Grabs by the collar, basically threatening to kill him if he keeps messing with Buffy. Yeah. But then the minions show up. They knock Xander out. They're there for Spike because everything they've observed indicates he's the new special person in Buffy's life. So they suspect he's the key. Buffy bot misses Spike and gets sick of waiting in the basement. Apparently Warren's robots all have the same flaw where they will not stay put if asked. Yeah. I mean, I guess if their prime directive is to like be with this person, it probably does start to get confusing. Yeah. So she comes up out of the little basement. She goes looking for Spike at Xander's place. My question is, how does she know where Xander lives? Like, we do hear that Spike gave them information about her friends, but has Spike ever been to Xander's house? How does he know where he lives? Not his new place. I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe she just like went door to door looking for Xander, like yeah. April one looking for one. Yeah. Willow's there. She's like, yeah, Xander's not here. Also, you're very loud and everyone's sleeping. So they go out on the balcony to talk. We again see BuffyBot's computer perspective and Willow's facts are best friend, witch, good with computers, gay 1999 to present. <laughs> I would argue that Willow didn't indicate to anyone or herself that she was gay until 2000. But I'm guessing 99 just had a better ring to it in writing. Interesting. Hush was the last episode of 1999, and that's the one where, like, her and Tara maybe have a little moment. But I don't think there was any, other than, like, doppelganger episode, she wasn't, like, actively dating Tara or questioning her feelings for Tara until after Hush. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Also, she probably was always gay. Yeah, right. But I wouldn't be surprised that, like, Spike wasn't aware of the, enough of that concept. <laughs> Spike wouldn't have known until, like, the Yoko Factor, which was definitely in 2000. No, but I mean, Spike wouldn't be like, oh, she was probably always gay, just didn't. Right, right, right. So yeah, it should be 2000, because that's when Spike would have known, unless Spike questioned it in 1999. Warren put this together pretty quickly. He might have got some facts wrong. <laughs> yeah, it had the Y2K bug. <laughs> <laughs> Will is like, have you seen Xander? I don't know why I gave Willow the bot voice. <laughs> Willow's like, have you seen Xander? And Buffy's like, no, but I really need to find Spike. And Willow's like, you didn't sleep with Spike, did you? Buffy's like, no. I had sex with Spike. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can see why with everything you've got going on, you could maybe make that mistake one time. 
And Buffy's like, no, no, it wasn't one time. It was lots of times in lots of different ways. I could make sketches. <laughs> I was like, what? I know you got to think for vampires, but Angel had a soul. Yeah. And then she says that Angel's lame and his hair grows straight up and he's bloody stupid. It's just so funny. Clearly something yeah. either Spike said or had her program to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy's also just like out of things to say. She tells Willow a couple times that she's her best friend and that she's recently gay. <laughs> Xander has woken up. He's come back to his place. He tells them that he suspects Glory's minions have taken Spike since he recognizes the minions as what Buffy had previously described to him as hobbits with leprosy. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. This is troublesome news because Spike knows about Dawn being the key and they don't know that he won't talk. So they're going to go get weapons from Buffy's place because as Buffy Butt says, I fight with weapons. <laughs> and Tara agrees to stay back at Xander's and watch Dawn. The minions are all like, look, Glory, we found the key. And she's like, no, the key has to be pure. This is a vampire. You can't even brain suck a vampire, so he's useless. Which is good information because otherwise you probably would have. Yeah, yeah. And the minions are like, okay, but she protected him more than anyone else. It's got to be him. Spike, like, mouths off to her. That was a bad idea. She throws him around a bunch. She, like, pokes her finger inside of him to see if there's anything cool in there. <laughs> she cuts him with a knife a bunch. She breaks a glass on his face. It, he's in bad shape by the end of this. Yeah. It seems like he's going to talk. But first, commercial and a bunch of other scenes. <laughs> it's day now. The Scoobies are arriving at Buffy's house. We know it's Buffy's house because Buffy Bot says, This is my house. <laughs> They're trying to ask Buffy where they should look for Glory. She's like, I don't know. Why are you looking at me? Which is fair. Buffy shouldn't know where to look. But the real Buffy seems to somehow always know where to look. So they're used yeah. to that. Right. They tell Buffy Bot to go upstairs to change and get more weapons. And while she's gone, they decide they're going to have to have a little Buffy vengeance because this obsession with Spike has gone too far. But then real Buffy comes in. They just assume she changed super fast. So they start to give her this intervention speech. They're like, yeah, we were just like kind of thrown by you having sex with Spike. But he's like, what? No, I'm, I'm not having sex with Spike. Xander's like, no one's judging you. It's understandable. Spike is strong and mysterious and sort of compact, but well-muscled. <laughs> Puffy's like, I'm not having sex with him, but I'm starting to think you might be. <laughs> but that is a pretty good description. Yeah. Xander spends a lot of time with Spike. He knows how compact he is. <laughs> But they're like, no, we, we saw you straddling him. We got eyes. But then Buffy Bot comes down and says, Spike's mine. Who's straddling him? She did not change or get weapons, by the way. What did she do up there? Well, she just heard Spike and came down immediately. Yeah, maybe. She sees real Buffy and says, look at you. You look just like me. We're very pretty. <laughs> Xander assumes this is just like the time there were two of him. Buffy's like, no, she's obviously a robot. You're all dumb. <laughs> she's acting just like Warren's robot, just like Stacy said. <laughs> just like Stacy said. And Buffy's like, I don't think I'm a robot. And then they realize why Spike might have wanted a Buffy bot. And they're all just like grossed out about that for a while. Real Buffy finds out that Glory has Spike. She's pissed. She says she's going to kill him. And she does know where to start looking. She always do. She always do. She remembers the playground where Glory's snake monster was and thinks that Glory could live around there. That's really a huge stretch. I mean, to be fair, I mean, that's the first place. I mean, it's not crazy to start there. They do admit it's not much to go off of. Like, she suspects it was on its way back to her from there, but, like, it could have been on its way back to Utah from there. Right. 
Meanwhile, Giles is very impressed with the Buffy bot, who calls him Giles. He's very offended. Yeah, I love that Giles is upset that his name is programmed wrong. Yeah. The bot's convinced that they're going to save Spike. And Buffy's like, no, he's he's evil. He's going to rat out Dawn. She's like, you're right, he is evil, but you should see him naked. <laughs> and then Buffy, real Buffy, accidentally calls Giles Giles. I thought that was dumb. Yeah. Like, she heard her say it one time. She would never. It's just like a stupid Freudian slip joke. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been funny if she did it on purpose, just to give him shit. Yeah, but she definitely just, like, accidentally did it. Back to Spike. Remember? It seemed like he was about to talk. Oh, yeah. He doesn't. He lies and says that the key is Bob Barker as he slowly gets his hands loose from his chains. The minions are like, we'll bring you Bob Barker. We'll bring you the limp and beaten body of Bob Barker. (laughs) That's funny. She's like, no, it's not Bob Barker. The key is new to this world. He's, like, fucking old. Spike's like, yeah, I'm lying. I'm not going to tell you. He calls her the god of bad home perms. Calls her a bunch of names and then tells her the Slayer is going to kick her ass. But at this time, she kicks his ass, which seems to be what he wanted. She didn't expect his chains to be loose, so she just, like, kicks him through a wall into a different room. So he's got some time to try to escape. They really do take their time going after him, though. Like, the minions kind of just stand there until she tells him to go. He jumps down an elevator shaft. The minions catch up with him at the bottom of the elevator. But luckily, Buffy and Xander have guessed the right condo building and arrived just in time to fight the minions. Right. It's coincidental. They're pretty decent fighters. The minions? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they fight for a while. We've really only seen them fight those knights of Byzantium who kick their ass. Right. What happened to them, by the way? They've been gone a while. Uh, they're probably done for this season. They said they were going to keep coming and they... Nah, just... they're probably done. Okay. Don't worry about them. Giles and Buffy bot soon follow. There's just like a quick lobby fight. Everyone's fighting. The bot gets nicked by a weapon and starts to like short out. The minions like freak out and run back up to glory. They're trying to justify what happened because, you know, they all got away. Spike got away. They're just like, yeah, the Slayer seem to be everywhere at once because <laughs> there's two of her. <laughs> right. And she had friends with many weapons. They, they might have been demons. It's just like clearly lying. So maybe they're not that great at fighting because they just like gave up. Yeah, hard to say. The robot, though, is pretty strong. Like Buffy had issues fighting that robot. Yeah, but uh, Glory's not happy that they let Spike get away. We don't see it, but we hear them like screaming. At the magic shop, Willow is checking out Buffy Bot's mechanics. She says it'll be easy to fix, but everyone's like, Willow, no, we're not fixing it. <laughs> Shut it down. Yeah, it's funny. Was like, oh, yeah, it's easy to fix. And they're like, what? And Buffy's like, at least it's not a very good copy of me. And all of her friends are like, yeah. Right. Right. For bad copy. Xander and Giles have taken Spike home. They said he was too beat up to say too much to them, so they don't know if he told Glory about Dawn. Xander, though, is like, well, he was pretty beat up, like kind of indicating he maybe didn't talk. Right. But Buffy's got to be sure. So she steals the robot's stupid skirt and goes to Spike's place, pretending to be the robot. This is revealed at the end of the scene, but I thought it was pretty obvious that that's what was happening. I don't, I didn't, because I feel like they set up, we can fix the robot. But they all, like, laughed at Willow. Yeah, until they realized they needed something from Spike still. Right, but how would they, I guess maybe Willow could have, like, programmed the robot to tell them what Spike said. Right. That's true, but I, it seemed like a much easier thing. Sure. To me, for Buffy to go in herself. I feel like the show was not, I think the show was trying to, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if the show was trying to convince us one way or the other. I said right away, that's Buffy. Yeah. But I wasn't 100% sure. So I, I do think it was vague enough that it was well done, that it was a bit of a mystery. But I, I did say aloud to you that I thought that was You Buffy. did, yeah. 
I can confirm, guys. She knew. <laughs> Spike's all beat up. He's just like laying on top of his coffin. She goes in like pretending to be the sex bot. She tells him that Will fixed her. She's gay. It's very funny, but like Buffy wouldn't know to say that. I guess she could guess that that's something that the robot would be programmed to know. Well, we miss maybe Willow said like she just kept saying I was gay. That's true. That's true, actually. Willow's just like, just drop that I'm gay a bunch. She seemed very obsessed with that. Buffy pretends that she's going to go tell Lori who the key is since that's the reason Spike got beat up. Lori wants to know. She'll just go tell. And he stops her. He's like, no, you can't. You can't tell her ever. Because if anything happened to Dawn, the other Buffy would be in so much pain. And I couldn't live with that. I'd rather Glory kill me than I tell her. In fact, that's almost what happened. And then Buffy just kisses him on the mouth. And he realizes that it's really Buffy without saying as much. And then just calmly asks, like, so can I get my robot back? <laughs> She's like, yeah, the robot's gone. It was gross. And it wasn't real. But what you did for me and Dawn was real. And I won't forget it. And she leaves. And Spike is like, well, you owe me thousands of dollars then. The last <laughs> A couple things about true. this scene. She just leaves. A couple things about this scene. For one, Buffy comes in and is like, you want me to have sex with you now? What if Spike had said, yeah, <laughs> let's do sex first, then let's talk. I think she knew how wounded he was. Yeah, well, he could be wounded and she could do stuff. Sure. Sure, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> just say, just because your partner is not healthy doesn't mean the other person can't do stuff. You know. I got you pizza rolls. <laughs> That's all you whispered. I should have whispered other stuff. Robot. <laughs> yeah, I wish you got me a sex bot, but no. Do you, is there more about the scene? You Sometimes you say a couple things and you only have one thing. Couple things. Um, no, there's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, was this a good episode? Yeah, I think this is a good episode. It was funny. The Buffy sex stuff was funny. It is I funny. feel like Buffy, I mean, I guess Spike was already pretty fucked up, you know, but I feel like Buffy would be so fucking mad that he made a sex bot out of her, of her, not out of her. But uh, yeah, I think it was a funny episode and it still had like an emotional thing at the end with Spike, like not betraying them, which was good. It is interesting to think had Spike not done that sweet thing, how she would have reacted to the bot. Right. Like it was kind of negated by him doing a really heroic thing. I don't know that she would have killed him, but she might have beaten him up a ton. Right. And like destroyed the robot in front of him. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's like it kind of solves the problem of yeah. him pursuing her. Yeah. If it makes him happy and gets him off their back, let him, as long as she doesn't escape his dungeon. But then it's just like, all right, well, then you got to get Xander a Buffy bot, an Angel a Buffy bot. <laughs> It's just like, oh, what? You know, everyone's getting a Buffy bot, you know? Warren's just in so much debt, making everybody free Buffy <laughs> I bots. can't make everyone Buffy bots. Scott Hope is showing up for Buffy bots. Parker wants a Buffy bot. I mean, It everybody. would be funny to see, like, a five Buffy bot episode where they all <laughs> escape and have to fight together. They just say that Will is gay in unison. <laughs> They're all obsessed with different men. That, uh, is that a fanfic? I feel like that's a funny concept. Yeah, it is a funny concept. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a funny episode. I, th I liked it. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, it was funny. And what Spike did was sweet. Like the ending was good. Yeah. I feel like Glory has gotten to the point where it's like, I just want to see her more in action because she's so powerful and we're not seeing it. I mean, we see her mess Spike up pretty easily, just like putting her finger right through him. But yeah, that was cool. But yeah, you and I were kind of talking about this on our walk one day. I liked Glory so much when she showed up. She was so like 
powerful, like super strong, but right. being juxtaposed with like this small, beautiful woman. Right. And like the fact that she's crazy is kind of a fun thing. Like she's super unpredictable. Plus the Ben layer is interesting. And she is finding out tidbits of information here and there, but just like so much of the time, her scenes are just her in her house complaining to the minions. Like it just gets a little samey. Like she doesn't have totally. much progression. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she's accomplishing anything. She's always just like, ugh, we're running out of time. Minions. I, I don't know. It's not like bad. It's just there's not a lot of action with her, really. Yeah, and we will get more. I just feel like the show was a little bit just like treading water with her without any real reason. Because she could just go kill the Slayer right now if she wanted to. Yeah. I like the one where she was at the hospital was good. Right. Like threatening Dawn in the hospital. I think they could have justified a lot of this stuff, too. Like, she could... The reason she doesn't kill, like, Buffy's friends and stuff is she could say, like, I don't know which one of them is the key, and if I kill the key, then the key doesn't work anymore, so I can't just go do that. So, like, then it's like, okay, now we have a reason why she's not just killing people. But they don't They don't say that. Yeah. I mean, she did some stuff in this episode. Yeah. I also don't like her minions. They're just gross. I go back and forth with them. Sometimes they're funny. You go back and forth with those guys? I didn't. I hated them at first. I was like, oh, that's what we're doing? <laughs> but they're kind of funny. Yeah. All right. So which episode do you think was better, Stacey? Buffy. Yeah, I think it's a pretty clear Buffy this, this week. It was a very filler Gilmore, I think. All of the problems in that Gilmore were invented for this episode. Yeah. Like, the lane thing resolved. Rory's Logan problem seems like it's going somewhere. We gotta get Rory a Logan bot. Yeah. Maybe this Luke House thing is going somewhere. And I suppose the Lorelai interview thing could be going somewhere. But I don't know. It was just like all new problems. Yeah. That weren't particularly interesting or memorable. This late in the season. Yeah. And the Rory thing was like such a small part of it. I don't know. Buffy was just much funnier and more emotional. Emotional is not really the right word. But I feel like we set up a lot of stuff with Buffy. Yeah. Buffy's now sort of in debt to Spike. We had some character development yeah. with Spike. Whatever this quest was was a little vague, but I'm sure it'll be important. Yeah, Buffy's giving gifts out, I guess. Gonna hand dead bodies to people, whatever the fuck that means. So yeah, I think it's a pretty solid Buffy win this week. Yeah. Interesting, the yard man is packing up now. The exact time we're finishing the episode. He's only out here for the podcast. He must know, man. I think he spies on us. If you want to watch along next week, uh, you can just go to our yard. That guy's got a feed set up perfectly. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 19, Tough Love. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 19, But I'm a Gilmore. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. How does Warren get money for these sex bots? Would you have pulled the article if you were Lorelai? Do you think Dean was right, or do you think that's just Dean's point of view? Is there a reason they were wearing those clothes in the desert? When you were a teen, what famous person would you have made into a sex bot? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, our drunken thoughts after watching the episodes, and more. Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Joe Turnbull. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. 
Okay, so he's not going inside. He is. He's packed up, but he's near the exit of the garden, just like singing and kind of moving back and forth. You could tell his dogs like, "Is this done? What's I thought we we were going in. Why do we do this?" Pizza rolls. What? Pizza rolls. I gave you pizza rolls. More pizza rolls. I- Baby, I can only take so many pizza rolls in one day. I'm just so confused. I had these pizza rolls, but I'm not satisfied. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta deal with both of these problems. Bye!